Well, in this business, things happen, and uh, you, as a coach, no matter what capacity you're in, you've got to be ready to uh, assume responsibility, and, and that's what I'm doing. I'm just doing my job. The Duffster, the Duffinator. Mark Duffner era has begun, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to PewterPirates.com, and this is our A Few Extra Bucks podcast. I am Mike Neighbors. We're going to break down Mark Duffner's opening press conference, player reaction, and, of course, we're going to bring in our producer, Justin Thomas, and our Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings. And how about this? We're going to go behind enemy lines with ESPN Cleveland's Tony Grossi, longtime writer for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Not only going to talk about how the Browns are getting ready for the Bucs, but we're also going to play something we love to play, Keep Your Enemies Closer. We're going to ask him three poignant questions about those Cleveland Browns and their history. It's fun stuff, so you guys stick around for Tony Grossi. He comes in from Cleveland. But we got to thank our title sponsors off the bat, House of Brews. On the corner of Van Dyke and Northdale, Mabry and Lutz. And then you have Sea Dog Brewing Company. Two great locations in Clearwater and on the beach, Treasure Island. Great brews, great food, great service. Justin, are you excited about the Mark Duffner era? <laughs> Is it just me or does he remind y'all, like, he seems like someone who would chew tobacco or something. <laughs> He kind of seems to me like the the uncle I made just you know who who might buy me beer in high school you know yeah like something like kind of old ID wasn't working or something Roy I don't know how much you know about Mark Duffner but uh, what are your early impressions of him so far Well I'll tell you what I, I first of all I I love the uh, old SNL reference there you know the the Duffer the Duffinator Mark Duffner making copies of Mike Smith's <laughs> NFL Buccaneers defense making copies. Yeah, um, <laughs> hope he's not making copies for that. Hey, Mark, Mark Duffner is an old school guy. He's been around. He's coached a lot of linebackers in a lot of places, and he got a shot at being a coordinator once, and it didn't work out very well. And uh, you know, it's uh, he gets another shot at it. Uh, I I'll say this: it's pretty hard to lose the, uh, you know, your your opening or introductory press conference, but he sure as heck didn't win it today. We had a lot of cliches there. I don't think Mark Duffner spent a lot of time in front of the media, um, but I do say this. I, I think he is an old-school guy. I'm anxious to see what he does. Um, he's going to bring a little bit different you know, flair to things. Uh, really, he, he's got the job because he did it once before. Um, didn't do it very well. If you didn't listen to our last podcast, folks, and you're listening now, uh, I'll tell you that, um, uh, unfortunately, Mark Duffner, as the uh, coordinator for the Bengals, uh, in his last, in the second of his two years there, uh, ranked dead last in points allowed with the Bengals in 2002, and about uh, I think it was 17th in yards allowed. wasn't really impressive. It was a little bit better the year before, but um, wasn't able to sustain it. So you know, again, this is a stopgap position move. This is uh, this is just you got to give somebody the job. So uh, they give it to Mark Duffner. I hey, I hope he earns a, a contract. That would be great. I think Bucks fans would love it. But, um, you know, again, I, as I've been saying for a long time, it's up to the players uh, to start playing better in this defense. You know, he's a guy I'd like to sit around and have a beer with and talk football. It's amazing. He actually coached on the same staff as Woody Hayes at one point, which says he's been around a long time. And he gets up there today and he had the water bottle on the podium and he said he kind of felt like Nick Saban or something like that because Saban always has the sponsored – bottle on the podium so he was trying to keep it loose but yeah I agree it was a lot of cliches and it was a lot of uh you know toting the company line for the most part here's what he had to say 
uh, when I asked him about the defense moving forward. What's the biggest challenge for this defense moving forward now? Shoot, our challenge is to get better. And, and every single day we're trying to get better, whether it be this week or this uh, today on Wednesday or tomorrow on Thursday, each and every day we're trying to get better. I challenge you, Roy Cummings, to get better every day as well. Like I said, uh, that, that, ain't, that ain't winning the press conference right there, okay? Uh, <laughs> our challenge every day is to get better. Really? Well, great. Wonderful. Here, here's your challenge. Get the freaking defense out of the basement, okay? That's the challenge. I don't want to hear these stupid cliches, unless, of course, unless you don't know any better. And again, this, you know what, you know what we're, we're, we're suffering from? And, 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 and the fans are suffering as a result here, too. It's not just the media. We're suffering with Mark Duffner here because coaches are afraid to put assistant coaches, position coaches, in front of the media on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. So they, when they get up there and there's a little bit of a deer in the headlights, not really sure what I want to say, they just fall back on a bunch of old cliches. And we don't really hear or learn anything new about the coach, the scheme, the players. We hear, well, we just got to get better. Every day we got to get better. You know, really? Good, wonderful. I got here. You're, that's not your challenge, Mark. Your challenge is getting this defense back up to par, so that so it can help you win some football games. That's your challenge. Let's go next level, Mark Duffner. How exactly are you going to make this defense better? I, I really don't want to share too much. You know, I not just. I want you to know that we're uh, very engaged in making things better in terms of the execution of our defense. And uh, you know, I don't want to give the, anybody any. Uh, competitive advantage by saying too much relative to anything other than that. But uh, nothing has changed in terms of the focus and the energy that we've got in trying to develop this team to be as productive as it can be on defense. Yeah, he said throughout the press conference that effort hasn't been a problem. It's been everything he's talking about there, execution. Uh, (laughs) We could go down the list with all the numbers, but let's take it one step further. And I want to get more of your thoughts, Roy. How is he going to put his potential stamp on this defense, the Duffner stamp, is it going to happen? Is it going to be different than Mike Smith at all? The, I guess, influence that you'll, you know, that we're going to do moving forward will be, uh, I've been part of it up to this point, and I'm going to continue to be part of it. So have the other coaches. And so it, it truly is. I mean, it, it's never been a one-man show anywhere that I've been coaching. It's you, That's why they have coaches, plural. And uh, so, uh, you know, we're here to teach and to improve these players, and all the guys are responsible and, and uh, will be required to do that. A lot of nothing there. Uh, you know, it's something Dirk Cutter would be happy with. He didn't give out any secrets. He didn't give out any details. But let me turn the conversation a little bit, Roy. There's a lot of clamoring that the Duffmeister shouldn't have been the choice for defensive coordinator, even though he begins with a D. You know, that's a powerful thing. How about Brinson Buckner? He's the young guy. He brings the energy. He relates to the players better. Would that have been a better choice? No, I don't think so. Um, Look, in this case, you probably want to go with the person with the most experience. You are in the trenches right now. The season is rolling on. It's not going to slow down because you decided to change coordinators. You need someone who's had a little bit of experience calling plays, who's been in the position before, um, look, again, I'm not real impressed with the resume, but at the end of the day, in this position for the Buccaneers, you can't go throw somebody in there who's never done this uh, and say, okay, here's your, here's your chance. Jobs are at stake here. The, the next guy to get fired is going to be Dirk Cutter and then possibly Jason Light if this doesn't work out. Um, 
you can't hand this over to someone who's never done it. The Buccaneers did that a couple of years ago, some might remember, when Jeff Tedford suddenly couldn't uh, answer the bell as an offensive coordinator, and they gave it to a guy who'd never done the job before at the NFL level, and uh, it was a disaster. You can't do that. Uh, Brenson Buckner is the answer for a lot of people who see the shiny new toy in the room and say, oh, look at this. We haven't played with this one yet. Let's go play <laughs> with this toy. And it's just not the way it is in the NFL. Uh, and by the way, I'd like Brenson Buckner to do something with the, with the defensive line and show me he can really do something there before I hand over, hand over an entire defense to him. I know everybody's excited about Brenson Buckner because he played in the NFL and because he gets all worked up and, and he yells at the players a little bit. But uh, outside of JPP and maybe, you know, as I've said a few, a few times, flashes here and there from Gerald McCoy and Vinnie Curry, I'm not seeing a whole lot out of this defense. In fact, so far, Brenton Buckner, uh, was part of his job was to be, come in and make something out of Noah Spence. Uh, I haven't seen Noah Spence in uniform, much less on the field. So um, I'm not so sure Brenton Buckner is knocking out of the park as a D-line coach just yet. Well, speaking of Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, he was great with the media. You know, we talk about this, that you know he's kind of a reluctant media guy. He doesn't want to be that vocal leader in the locker room. He wants to lead by example, but he's played in New York. I mean, he's seen, you know, everything in terms of the media. I think he's great with the media because he's not confrontational. He's funny sometimes. He's informative sometimes. Here's what he had to say about Mark Duffner's new defensive coordinator. I really don't know too much about him, but, uh, you know, for the time being here, man, uh, Duff been on me, man. He's always the same kind of guy when you walk in here every morning. Um, high energy guy, you know, uh, I, I like him, you know what I mean, uh, he always say, you know, uh, he likes the way I play, you know, keep playing the way I play. Yeah, you don't know too much about him because you've only known him a few months, but that, that was a candid answer. But while we're on Duffner, I want to get back to JPP. Here was rookie MJ Stewart, who's only had one defensive coordinator in his career, and that was Mike Smith. Here he is on his second one in Mark Duffner. You have a new defensive coordinator as a defense. Um, how do you accept that moving forward now? Do you Obviously, you feel for Mike Smith, but how do you improve moving forward now? Yeah, Coach Smith was a great coach, you know, but it's kind of like the, like the injury thing, you know, it's always next man up. So, you know, we still have our team goals. We still have our team objectives. And our objectives, it, it, our objectives are to win, you know. So, you know, with Coach Duff, we have, you know, full confidence in him, and we're going to get the job done. You know what's interesting here, Mike and Justin? Um, it, it, it's, you know, we're, we're, everybody's trying to find out, you know, what do you think of Mark Duffner? And the answers are, well, you know, I don't really know him that well. I don't really know him that well. You know why they don't really know him that well? Because I can tell you right now, outside of the linebackers, no one else has ever dealt with him on this team. Yeah. The reason I say that is the NFL is so specialized in terms of coaches. There are coaches for every position. Everybody, most of our listeners probably know this. Um, and, and, and some, there are subspecialties, you know, not just, we don't just have secondary coaches anymore. Sometimes you have safety coaches and cornerback coaches, and sometimes you even have a nickelback coach. Um, sometimes you have outside linebacker coaches, inside linebacker coaches. So it's so specialized. And when there's something going on during a game or during the week of practice and the whole bit, outside of the basic game plan and the film review, the, 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 the unit film review, the, the defensive film review and the installation of the basic game plan on Wednesday morning, they never deal with that coordinator. 
Because that's not, they're not sitting there listening. You know, the coordinator gives them their marching orders at the beginning of the week, shows the stats from last week, shows the film, says, guys, we didn't play hard enough. Uh, calls out a couple of players for not playing well, calls out a couple of players for playing better. Uh, and that's about all they get out of the coordinator. Everything else is done in position groups and in position meetings within, you know, their own little units. And so MJ Stewart doesn't know anything about Mark Duffner. JPP doesn't know anything about Mark Duffner. Levante David may, uh, Quan Alexander might, um, and they can probably tell you something. But one thing I can probably tell you is they still don't know if he's going to be any good as a defensive coordinator because, and again, this is something else a lot of fans may not realize. Everybody thinks the coordinator basically works in a vacuum by himself and, and develops the game plan and then sits up there in the, in the booth or on the field or whatever, wherever he decides to do it and calls the plays. That's not really how it works. As Mark Duffner pointed out, this is not a one-man show. Everybody is involved in producing the game plan because everybody has to say, hey, my cornerbacks can do this this week against these guys. My linebackers can do that against these guys. My linemen can do this, but they can't do that. Not, not against this guy. Um, and that's how you develop the game plan. And then, of course, somebody does call the plays. Usually it's the coordinator. So my biggest concern, and I'm, I don't, you know, I assume it's being asked, how much experience in the past, what, 8, 15 years at least, does Mark Duffner have calling plays? That's what, that somebody's got to call those plays. And how good are you at it? And, you know, how flustered do you get? Uh, well, you know, we'll find out what his philosophy is, I guess. Um, but I'm just not so sure that you're going to you're going to learn a lot about Mark Duffner from the players because they don't know him. Well, he was asked a lot of questions today about his philosophy moving forward. We played some of his answers. He did. He did say he's going to coach from the field, not the press box. He prefers to coach on the field. Mike Smith was a press box guy. We'll see if that has an impact or not. But, you know, you talk about the familiarity with Mark Duffner and JPP and MJ Stewart don't have it. Obviously, the linebackers have have more. Well, JPP also isn't familiar with the quarterback coming into town this weekend. That would be really the sensation across the NFL in terms of rookie quarterback so far, Baker Mayfield. Uh, I asked him about facing Mayfield, and uh, I love his response here. Can I get your thoughts on Baker Mayfield, your impressions of him? He's a rookie quarterback, man. You know, I love it. So, you know, uh, rookie quarterback and, you know, uh, progress to them and being in the NFL and, you know, I'll be chasing him after, chasing him this Sunday. Sounds like you're excited about that when you say rookie quarterback. Yeah, you know, that's what he is, right, guys? Right, that's what he is. He's a rookie quarterback. But he's been playing well. Uh, But other than that, man, I don't really really care about it. You know, I'm just – like I say, do my assignment, do my job, and hopefully everything take care of stuff. And I'm pretty sure every guy here is on the side. JPP on Baker Mayfield. I haven't heard any human being that excited since Roy Cummings on Christmas Day got the box set to the Bachelorette, uh, you know, <laughs> 2018 edition. I love how he gets excited, though. It was, it, was, it was honesty right there. I would be very excited about that, to be honest with you. Um, but you know what I do, too? And you know what I like? I like that he's like, hey, guy, that's right, guys. Right. Yeah, you know what? Get jacked up. This team right now, the D line in particular, should be thinking rookie quarterback coming to town. Time to go to time to feast. Feast on the rookie quarterback. Let's go welcome him to the NFL. And that's how they should all be thinking. Going out and showing this guy this is what it's really like in the NFL, my friend. 
welcome to the league. And that's that's the that's what the attitude should be. I'm not sure that attitude exists inside that locker room. I've never really heard it. Um, I heard a little bit of it there with Baker, with uh, obviously with JPP. Um, boy, that's how I'd be going at it. I mean, I think that's where confidence gets built up. That's how guys get worked up, man. I, I like what I hear out of JPP when he talks about Baker Mayfield. Good for him. Speaking of JPP, he was asked today as well, you know, with the offense doing its thing, does the defense feel even more, I don't know, responsible, obviously, for turning the ship around? Because let's face it, I mean, the Bucks are are two and three. It's not all the doom and gloom a lot of fans look to. Obviously, the, the Bears game and the most recent game, you know, the defensive effort's horrible. But you talk to JPP, and he seems, uh, you know, looking a little more optimistic than most fans out there. Here's what he had to say. It's just the fact that, you know, my offense playing well, defense out there. But we know, you know, it's football, man. You don't know how it's going to go. All you can do is take care of yourself and take care of your responsibilities and everything will play out for itself. I think if you just do your job, like Coach always saying, do your job, do your job, do your job. Sometimes I find myself trying to do other people's job, too, as a veteran, too. But, you know, like I say, just do your job and everything will take care of yourself. That's football. Trust your teammates and everything will take care of yourself. This guy is a leader, Roy. I, I like the way he talks, and I like the way he carries himself. Yeah, he's been at it a while, and uh, he's he's got a lot of pride. And, um, you know, he, he came here thinking that he was going to be part of uh, something a lot better than uh, what it was in New York. And I think he still believes that can happen. And I think he's trying to rally every, everybody else around him a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he won a lot in New York. And I think he's come here, and he, he's starting to realize – there's a, there's a little bit of a shell shock feeling in Tampa Bay, especially among the defenders. I mean, this is a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in forever. And, you know, some of the guys, I mean, the guys he's looking at, Gerald McCoy, Levante David, these guys have never played in the playoffs. And for him, that's 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 the expectation. It's like the, the regular season is just a warm-up, man. We, we play for, for uh, you know, December and late December and January football. That's what we play for here. And I think he's trying to, you know, I hope he doesn't lose that. Um, but your question to him was interesting because, boy, the tables have turned here in Tampa Bay for years. And we all know this, obviously. For years, this was a team where the question always used to be, hey, uh, of the offense, hey, don't you guys feel responsible for doing your part a little bit? Uh, yeah. You know, back in the in the Dungy era, certainly, the early Gruden era, um, it, it was about, uh, hey, is the offense ever going to do its part around here? Now it's the other way around. Pretty interesting, huh? Definitely. Uh, you know, speaking of defense, MJ Stewart, we heard him talk about Mark Duffner earlier in the podcast. Uh, we're probably as close to him as anybody uh, in the media here locally. He's done a rookie diary with us all of training camp in this season, and we have an extensive rookie diary with him this week. In fact, I was trying to tape that this week, but you know how it goes in the locker room, Roy. You know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, you know, you get one guy, and then you look up, and there's eight people around you. But we had a lot of candid talk to, to MJ Stewart about you know, he's been thrown in the fire, and he's he's really, you know, had to go through rookie lumps maybe faster than, than some rookie corners, uh, not only in this draft but in past years. But this is what he had to say about the defense turning things around. We asked JPP about it. Here's what MJ Stewart had to say. Like Coach Hogue always says, we had to get, like, this – a lot of people can't see this, but you got to get this much better every day, you know, a little bit better every day. And over time, you know, that little bit turns to a lot. This isn't our standard, you know. We're not supposed to play like this. We're supposed to play better than this. We have to help the team out by doing our job. Well, it's good to hear a rookie talk like that. Help could be on the way, Roy. You mentioned this player in our last podcast. 
Kendall Beckwith. Now, he met the media today for the first time, uh, all regular season anyway. I think we talked to him a little bit during training camp. Of course, he had the car accident back in April, really bad ankle injury, but he's proven in his football career that he's a quick healer. He had the tough knee injury at LSU. Then less than a year later, he was making a splash with the Bucks in training camp and then earned the starting spot last season. He could be activated as soon as this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. Here's what Kendall Beck was said about how hard it's been watching his football team and not being able to help this defense that's been struggling so much. The hardest part for me is just watching, just being on the side. You know, I'm, I'm such a competitor. You know, I, I'd rather be out there fighting with y'all. I'd rather be out there, you know, winning or losing with y'all. So, I mean, that's that's like the, the toughest part, you know, just on the side and you really can't do anything to help. How optimistic are you that you can get back on your timetable that you set for yourself? Oh, I'm pretty optimistic. Um, I've definitely um, seen the progression um, in my, in my uh, injury. That interview is part of a video preview we have on pewterpirates.com that uh, we have every week here on our website that uh, previews the game from a video standpoint like no other Bucks website does out there. But what is Kendall Beckwith? What could he mean to this defense? Uh, I like him, Roy, because he's the kind of guy, to me, that's not only smart, he's a quick learner, but he's, he's, he's mature beyond his years, too. Yeah, he is that. Um, look, I don't think there's any question that the best uh... – the best the Bucks have on defense uh, is at linebacker. Um, I think Levante David is special, and Quan Alexander can be special um, if he's not already. I think Kendall Beckwith can be special. He brings a little bit of pass rush ability off the edge. Uh, he can do that uh, for you. He brings a lot of energy. Um, reminds me a lot of Quan Alexander, really, is another downhill-type player. Um, he can bring a lot. So I think that's an important element to bring into this team. Uh, right now. I just think, again, it's about having your best players out there. He's one of them. Uh, so I think he would bring a lot right now. And uh, you know what? Th- this team needs a bit of a shakeup on that side of the ball. So the timing's probably just about right for him to come back, uh, see if he can uh, give this team a little bit of a spark. He's got that ability. I think he does. Yeah, they definitely could use him. Um, our final uh, sound before we bring in our guest from Cleveland, uh, Tony Grossi, a longtime uh, beat writer for the Cleveland Plain Dealer and now he covers the team for ESPN Cleveland. He's going to be a great resource in talking about Cleveland's uh, feelings heading into this game with the Bucks, how the Browns are feeling, how they feel about the Bucks. Let's bring in Adam Humphreys. Uh, you know, they're facing a Cleveland Browns team, and Tony Grossi can address this as well, but they're facing a Browns team that, that isn't the joke of the NFL anymore. I mean, this is a team that's uh, had some really close calls. If they had a kicker, they would have beaten the New Orleans Saints like the Bucks did, and they may be in last place, but uh, they have two wins this year. Easily could have had probably four. But I asked Adam Humphreys uh, about facing a Cleveland team that's not the same old Cleveland. We're expecting them to come out and give us their best shot. Um, you know, we've gone against their coordinator, I think, when he was with the Rams uh, previous years. And, you know, we're expecting a team that's hungry and, um, you know, ready to come in as, to our place and, and, get, and get a win. So, um, you know, it's, it's the NFL, so every week to week, and it's going to be a, a tough challenge for us. Adam Humphreys alluding to Greg Williams, who they faced with the Rams. And, of course, uh, before he got to uh, Tampa Bay, the New Orleans Saints had Greg Williams. He's like Greg Williams has been coaching almost every football team in the NFL. But before we get to Tony Grossi, I want to ask you this real quick, Roy. You know, you've been a beat writer in the NFL for years, and you've covered some bad football teams. You've covered teams that have been playoff contenders, teams that have won a Super Bowl. Can you imagine covering a team that's been as bad as long as Cleveland's been. How hard that must be. Well, 
I'll tell you what, um, we've, we've, pre- <laughs> we've come close here in Tampa. Um, you know, for all those years uh, through the 80s and stuff when it was just a mess. And then, uh, you know, what, what, 11 years now without a playoff uh, berth? It's been a rough run for the Buccaneers, too. But, yeah, that, that's really um, – that's tough duty right there, man. It really is. And, look, I'll say this. Uh, you know, we just got off a firing that a lot of fans called for. And just like in Tampa, that's what the fans in Cleveland have been calling for for years. Fire the coach, fire the coach, fire the coach. It usually doesn't work. Um, you, you really have to get people in there and have the, uh, you know, the patience – to let them grow and develop in their jobs and, you know, just accept the fact that, you know, p- fans don't want to accept three and five year plans anymore, but if you really want to be a good NFL team for a long time, you have to, and uh, you have to give coaches and quarterbacks and staffs time to develop chemistry and things like that. And they've refused to do that in Cleveland. Um, the Bucks haven't been much better the last uh, 10 years. Uh, they're on their sixth head coach since Tony Dungy. So, or, you know, since the Glazers took over. So, um, and you see what it's gotten them. Uh, yeah, you got a Super Bowl out of it, but, um, you know, it seems like you've kind of sold your soul to do it. Uh, so yeah, it's tough, but I think the lesson to be learned here is that the grass isn't greener necessarily, and it doesn't get any better if you just go out and get another coach. That's really not the answer. It just takes time to develop, uh, players and get them playing at a high level consistently um, you just want to be, be competitive. And if you're competitive, you, you, that's half the battle. Then, then you, then you hope you play well enough to get the breaks. If you get the breaks, usually end up with a better than uh, 500 record and you end up in the playoffs. All right. We like to do this from time to time previewing the bucks games. We like to go behind enemy lines and talk to somebody who knows the opposition very well. We're going to bring in ESPN Cleveland's Tony Grossi, longtime writer with the Cleveland Plain Dealer and longtime friend of Roy Cummings. Tony, I appreciate it. How you doing? Uh, we're pretty good here. Looking forward to a uh, trip uh, down to Tampa. Well, let's talk about your brownies. Uh, you know, you've definitely earned your stripes some tough seasons over the years, but this team seems to be fun to watch. And the record's two, three, and one, but you've had a lot of close calls. It could be a lot better. Well, they played three overtime games, uh, and they one slipped away for a loss. They let uh, uh, another win go by in a tie, uh, and they also played New Orleans really tough in the Superdome and came up short there. So um, they're coming off a bad loss. For the most part, it's been kind of a different feeling here from the last two years, and and um, you can attribute that to the quarterback, Baker Mayfield, a lot of energy he brings. And also an improved defense, although you got to eliminate last week's game after I tell you that. <laughs> Talk about Baker Mayfield, though. You knew he was going to bring confidence and energy, and, uh, you know, the, the, the MO was going to be having Tyrod Taylor play, then he goes down. But what's special about May- Baker Mayfield? I think, you know, some people tried to compare him to Johnny Manziel because of the swagger, but it seems like for, for many reasons, he's a, a totally different quarterback in a lot of ways. Yeah, if you're going to compare him to any six-foot quarterback, uh, he's very much like a young Drew Brees and could, you know, eventually be that type of quarterback. Uh, he he doesn't run. Uh, he wants to uh, survey the field from the pocket, and, and being as short as he is, he's got to maneuver to find passing lanes, and he's very good at that while always looking downfield. Um, 
if anything, he's been too aggressive and unwilling to throw, you know, the check downs when things aren't uh, open downfield. And they've had some receiver issues just recently. So getting guys open is becoming a little bit more of a problem. But he's he makes quick decisions. He's got a great arm, uh, much better than advertised. And, uh, again, has a, has a lot of those intangibles that lead you to believe uh, he will end the Browns' quarterback search. He's number 30 to start a game for him since 1999, wow. and uh, I don't think they'll be going to 31 anytime soon. <laughs> Before I bring in Roy, I know he wants to ask a few questions here. You lose LeBron James in Cleveland, and then the, suddenly the Cleveland Browns are, you know, seem to have this great future all of a sudden. What's the mood in Cleveland with this team? I know they buy their time, like you said, you know, so many quarterbacks since 1999, so many heartbreaking seasons. What's the mood of the fan base right now? Well, they're incur- very much encouraged. Uh, this game against the Chargers uh, kind of will test that. But, um, you know, until that game, they hadn't lost at home. They were uh, uh, two wins and one tie in the opener against Pittsburgh. Um, everybody is hungry to see this team win. And also with a, with a young quarterback, um, but still, this is a team that has not won even two games in a row in four years. So until they, you know, start knocking off some of these milestones, uh, there's still uh, a little trepidation there. But uh, for the most part, uh, everybody's really optimistic. Um, they were very healthy for through five games, and now it seems they're losing a starter every game. And we knew. You know that's going to happen over the course of a season, but I'm not sure how many more of these they can absorb and, and still have that you know, positive feeling about them because it's still a roster in progress. They've done a great job to get to this point over practically overnight with the new GM, new football administration, but um, they got a tough stretch of games coming up, that's for sure. Tony, uh, I know that uh, Baker Mayfield is the talk of the town, the star of the show at this point, but uh, this team, its true strength right now is really defense, is it not? Yeah. Um, you know, they lead the league in takeaways. I think they're at 16 through uh, two, three, six games. Their problem has been not capitalizing on those turnovers and turning them into points, and that has uh, – um, you know, they should, they should have a lot more points than they do because of that. Um, they have a, they have the basics on this roster right now. Most of them, they have the, who they think will be a franchise quarterback, but on defense, they have the franchise pass rusher in miles Garrett. And it looks like their other number one pick this past year, Denzel Ward looks like a true shutdown cornerback. He's probably, uh, you know, one or two in the race for, defensive rookie of the year so they're getting uh those elements together and those two guys on defense uh have have made a big difference because garrett wasn't healthy last year but now he is tony it seems to me uh in my years in the nfl teams like the browns when you're building with key pieces like denzel ward miles garrett baker mayfield you've got these number one picks usually the problem becomes depth. And you've already alluded to the fact that uh, injuries starting to pick up a little bit now. When that depth gets tested, that's really the test of, of every NFL team. Um, give us an idea there of you know, how the depth is now that you're having to test it a little bit in Cleveland. Well, uh, th- two, two position groups have been hit recently. Uh, the first is wide receiver. Um, um, they've, got, they've got two or three guys down 
but they were the they were the guys on the bottom of that depth chart. Uh, their problem right now is their two starters uh, have have not made plays. Jarvis Landry and a rookie fourth round rookie named Antonio Callaway. And then at linebacker this week, they lose their middle linebacker Joe Schobert, who had played every play, every defensive snap, uh, starting from last year's first game. Uh, and he's like the coach on the field guy, the smartest guy out there on the field, the one who wears the coach's headset. And in a game against two tight ends like Tampa Bay's, um, this is going to be a factor for them because he was the best coverage uh, linebacker they had too. Tony, last one from me. Uh, what, what As you were in the locker room today with, with the guys uh, talking a little bit, I, I would assume, about Tampa Bay, what, what is their thinking on Tampa Bay? What is – what is it about the Buccaneers that concerns the Browns as they uh, head out head out of town for this one? Well, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Obviously, their offense is uh, unbelievably potent, um, and, and that's a concern because they just faced a team with a lot of weapons, the Chargers, and the Chargers uh, scored 38 on them at, uh, on their own field. So, so uh, obviously, the, the offense is going to be a factor. Um, one of the guys that I omitted to mention as far as injuries, they lost their second starting cornerback, Terrence Mitchell, about three games ago, and they're still trying to compensate for that. So that, again, will be a factor in this game. Um, you know, on the, on the offense versus the defense side, um, I guess they don't know what to expect after the coordinator change uh, with Mark Duffner, and most of them feel that that I talked to today out of respect said they got, they got a lot of individual talent on defense and uh, they don't really know how that's going to change with Duffner calling the shots. So uh, there's a little bit of uh, surprise there element, Uh, but they think, uh, I think they feel they can score on anybody, not just Tampa, as long as they're, you know, pick up their game a little bit because they've shown it before. Well, just about anybody can score on Tampa. You got that part right. So <laughs> perfect tonic for a troubled offense, right? Yeah, now. indeed. And we're not sure what Mark Duffner is going to bring either. So that's a mystery for everybody involved in this game. We'll look up for Tampa, I'm sure. Tony, before we let you go, we like to do a little segment when we bring in a guest from another city and another team to kind of have our audience learn about that team, uh, past and present. Um, it's called Keep Your Enemies Closer. And I want to ask you some hypothetical questions. You've covered this Browns team for a long time. Here's the first one. You mentioned 30 quarterbacks since 1999. If you had to take a cross-country trip with one of these three quarterbacks, who would it be? Tim Couch, Brady Quinn, Brandon Whedon. Oh, Quinn. I'm a a big fan of Brady's uh, uh, now and and as a player. So I'll, I'll choose Brady Quinn there. Okay, if you had to have a meal or a beverage with one of these three head coaches, who would it be? Eric Mangini, Romeo Cornell, or Hugh Jackson? Oh, uh, I'll choose Romeo on that one. I think Romeo's a fun guy to uh, to talk to uh, away from the football field. Hugh, Hugh might be too, but I get enough of him every day. <laughs> and finally, uh, please humor us with your best Johnny Manziel story. Oh, gosh. Um, you, you know, I will say this about him. Uh, he, he, was, he impressed me from day one with his ability to fool you uh, with his words. Uh, he was one of the best 
cockers in front of a microphone uh, so early in his career that I've, that I've ever seen. And uh, we found out real quickly it was a lot of BS. And um, <laughs> he, that, was, that was the best thing he, he, he did in Cleveland was talk. And he got a lot of people conned uh, for two years. Well, it's clear. Nothing gets by Tony Grossi. Uh, keep your enemies closer. Uh, you nailed all the three of those questions. That's Tony Grossi from ESPN Cleveland, longtime writer for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and the biggest mark on his resume. He's a longtime friend of our own, Roy Cummings. But uh, we appreciate your time, and uh, have a great trip down here. Tampa Bay welcomes you, and uh, good luck the rest of the year. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing it, Tony. We appreciate it. All right, three and out, Roy Cummings. We'll keep this quick. Uh, three questions, and we are out of here. First question: Should the Bucks trade for Patrick Peterson at this point? Yes, I'm not. I'm usually not a big fan of trades, but uh, the Buccaneers are, are are absolutely hurting, and I and I mean literally hurting in the secondary. If you can bring in someone like Patrick Peterson, who's not only better than everybody else that they've got on this team right now, that's number one. But number two can help train some of these young kids about how to play that position in this league, absolutely you do it. I don't care if you have to give up a third-round pick in the future. Uh, you, you, you spent a lot of draft picks on that secondary already this year. Uh, I think this addition would make them better. I'm definitely doing it. I agree. Cheaper than Darrell Rivas and uh, maybe a lot better uh, investment as well. All right, second question in our three and out. Caleb Benenock, boy, he's been a turnstile. He's been rough on that offensive line of late. Is it time for him to be benched and, dare we say, promote Alex Kappa, the rookie, or is that getting a little too careful? No, you're very close to that happening. Uh, it wouldn't Number one, it wouldn't surprise me if we see it this Sunday, but if the Bucks lose this Sunday, I'm almost certain you'll see it a week from now when they go to uh, Baltimore. Uh, my, uh, or where, where uh, the next game on the road, um, Cincinnati, I guess it is. So uh, they're very close to, to having to make that call. Um, so don't be surprised if it happens this week. And if it doesn't happen this week, it'll happen next week. All right. I know you got to go. Here's what we're going to give you for our last question, our three and out, which one of these anthems and uh, stadiums will be playing in the year 2080. They'll be playing forever. YMCA, we will rock you or welcome to the jungle. Which one's going to last basically forever? Man. YMCA, we will rock you by Queen, or welcome to the jungle, Guns N' Roses. Those are the ones I seem to be I'll tell you what, since it's been going longer than all of them anyway uh, already, I'm going to go with YMCA. Gets everybody going, everybody's involved in it, it's a fun thing. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with YMCA. I agree. I'm a big Queen fan. I'm a big Guns N' Roses fan, but YMCA, and that's almost hockey. That's every sport, too, not just the NFL. You hear it it everywhere. Well, listen – Roy, great hey, job. Listen, we, before we call, before we uh, end this thing, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to one of our listeners, Adam Sproles on Twitter, at really? yeah at s p r o l e s eighty six. Adam Sproles uh, made a correction on me last week. I referred to uh, uh, a guy named number wearing number twenty six for the Buccaneers who dropped way too deep uh, on a big third down play. Uh, I called him Alex Adams. His name's Andrew Adams, and Alan and uh, Adam Sproles uh, pointed that out to me and helped me get it right. So I want to give a shout-out to uh, Adam Sproles. Number one, Adam, thanks for listening. Thanks for the correction. And uh, like Mark Duffner says, man, we're just trying to get better every day. 
And not to be cu- confused with Darren Sproles. Exactly. That's Adam. This is Adam. Don't know if there's any relation, but uh, Adam is my man. I appreciate it. Well, Adam, no wonder I never heard of Alex Adams. So, well, you know, that was the I googled and a couple models well, came up. What he so, said was yeah. he gets the point. Got the name wrong, but you know what? Which further explains my point is nobody <laughs> knew Andrew Adams either. Right. Well, listen, my friend, great job. We appreciate you. We appreciate our producer, Justin Thomas. We appreciate ESPN Cleveland's Tony Grossi as well. Great perspective from the Cleveland Browns and and the city as well. I'm Mike Neighbors. I am merely Mike Neighbors. We'd like to thank our sponsors, House of Brews, Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. This has been another edition of A Few Extra Bucks. Subscribe to PeterPyrus.com. It's free, folks. Thanks for listening.